And uh, let's turn to Psalm 51. A Psalm of David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my saviour and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would have brought it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our prayer this morning is that this psalm becomes a dearly loved friend. Uh, for, for us. It may be already uh, a friend, and I hope you'll get even more friendly uh, with, with this psalm and see this psalm as the heart of what it means to, to come to God and to talk to God, to engage with God in, in, in prayer, uh, the heart that starts with a contrite heart, uh, a heart that is ready to receive, ready to be real, and honest with God. So I'm going to pray as we begin and pray that as we look at God's word, that this psalm will speak to us as God speaks to us by his spirit. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a, a faithful God, slow to anger and abounding in, in love. And as we approach you, and stand in your throne room of grace. We pray that uh, our hearts will be contrite, that we'll be honest uh, with, with you. And in the honesty, in the brokenness of, of our lives, in the sinfulness of our hearts, 
that will know the healing of your forgiveness, will know the joy of your salvation, will know the blessings that you uh, give us and send us out uh, to be a blessing. We pray that uh, the bones that have been crushed by our sin will be revived as we look at your word now. We pray that for the glory of the Lord Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'd like to begin by introducing you to three individuals uh, this morning. Uh, and number one individual is guilt-ridden Gertrude. Uh, Gertrude tries but keeps on failing. Gertrude's a little bit like Peter Rabbit, if you know the story of Peter Rabbit. You know, he sings that song, Why Do I Do It? What can it be? There's naughtiness in everyone, but twice as much in me. I'd give the world, if only I could, just for a while to be good. And uh, I, when I was um, a child, I had that on a record. Uh, you, know, you know what a record is? A little, a little um, blue uh, single. And I used to play that and think, yeah, that, that's my song. Um, so, guilt-ridden Gertrude. And the result is, Gertrude is crushed by guilt. And her motto is, woe is me. Secondly, I'd like to introduce you to self-satisfied Simon. Now, Simon looks to himself and the power of self to achieve uh, whatever uh, will bring him satisfaction. He goes with his feelings and he goes with whatever uh, makes him feel good to find contentment. And the result is he never finds that. He's never satisfied. He thinks he's getting there, but it's like blowing through the wind, as Ecclesiastes says. His motto uh, isn't woe is me like Gertrude. His motto is I believe in me. And then thirdly, I'd like to introduce you to religious Rihanna. Now, uh, Rihanna is re religious in going to church and uh, saying her prayers and reading her Bible and she confesses her, her sin and she's very involved in lots of activity but she's dulled by compliance. She's, she hasn't got an active faith but a compliant dullness uh, to her life rather than joy. Her motto is, look at, uh, look at me, but she knows underneath that her sort of religious demeanor, her stained glass demeanor, is not the same as her heart. What do they all share in common? Well, they're all sinners in need of grace. Secondly, they're all distant from the Lord that they can know closely. And that's, that, that's the tragedy that this psalm uh, tackles head on. This tragedy of, of feeling God is, God is distant and uh, that they all can know that distance removed through repentance and faith. They're all missing out, therefore, on this joy of salvation. It's interesting that uh, Jesus' very first words, do you know what they are in Mark's gospel? The very first thing that Mark reports Jesus saying is, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Key phrase, it's a sort of headline motto for all of Jesus' ministry. The kingdom of God is near. A relationship with God, both in this, this earth and the earth to come, is near and available, paid for by, by grace uh, alone. 
repent and believe. And repent means to, to turn around, to turn around, to confess our sin that separates us from, from God and confess that rebellion of heart that has taken us away from God. And that's the point. When we feel God is distant, it's not that God has moved, it's that we've moved away from God. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. Come back uh, to, to God and believe that God is faithful and just and will forgive our, our, our sin. Repentance of sin brings reconciliation with, with our Father. We can't skip that, that step. David thought he could in, in this psalm. But actually he comes back to the heart of, of worship, which is uh, confessing being real with, with, with God. Jesus um, tells that uh, very famous parable of, of the prodigal sons, the two sons who are distant from their father. And the younger son comes back. He, he comes to his senses, Jesus says, and he confesses his sin. He says to his father, I have sinned. And what does the father do? He runs towards the son, wraps the son in a robe of sonship, puts a ring on his finger and says, what is lost is, is found. You've come home. And that joy, going from distance to, to joy, is something the older son, the religious one, never experiences. And are you longing for that this morning? Are you longing for that closeness in relationship with your heavenly father? I always think back to um, when I was a, a child, uh, being brought up uh, here in, in London, um, I uh, did something to really upset my, my dad, and he sort of was quite cross with, with me, and I decided that was it. Uh, my relationship with my dad was over, and I was going to leave home. I was uh, quite small at the time, and um, so I, I sort of slammed the front door. I didn't take anything with me. Um, I slammed the front door, and I was standing on, on the, the road and thinking, what do I do now? Um, so I, I decided... Um, that uh, I would go down. Our house had um, some stairs um, at the front of the house that went down to the coal cellar, which was under the pavement. And uh, I thought, I know, I'll, I'll go and live in the coal cellar. So I went downstairs and I went into the coal cellar, which was quite dark and damp. And um, I decided to set up home there. And I could hear my parents shouting, um, on, on the street, Andrew, Andrew, uh, where, where are you? And trying to find me. And I realized they would never look in the coal cellar. Um, and I realized I was going to be there for, forever. So after hours, it was probably just a few minutes, um, I um, decided, well, I'm going to have to go back. Uh, so I went uh, back through the front door and I found my dad. And I said, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry uh, for, for what I did and, and said. And I, I, this is a very long story, just to tell you uh, an experience that, that happened. My dad scooped me up into his arms and gave me a hug, and everything was, was dealt with, forgotten and, and forgiven. And that relationship, that closeness, that is the joy of salvation that, uh, that this, this psalm is offering to all of us. And that's our prayer this, this morning. As we look at the, this psalm, that we'll see that, that joy. Because the context for the, this psalm is something deeply personal to, to King David. King David, the, the context is uh, king of Israel and king of a, a fabulous kingdom. 
And yet when it was uh, season for the army to have, have gone off uh, in, into battle, David decided to stay back in, in Jerusalem. And our story begins with David standing on the roof of his palace, looking over and saying, you know, look at me, what an amazing king I am. And he spots a woman, Bathsheba, and he falls in love uh, with this woman who is married to to someone else. He has an affair uh, with her. And then to, to cover things up, he has her husband killed. And he then continues to cover his tracks and he marries uh, Bathsheba. And he thinks he's got away with it, but there's a gnawing in in his heart. And then one day, the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him a story. He tells him a story about a rich man with lots of sheep and a poor man with just one little lamb. And when the rich man wanted to eat, Uh, he took the poor man's lamb for his meal and killed it rather than one of his sheep. And Nathan says to David, what should happen to the rich man? And David says, that man should die. And Nathan says, you are that man. You are that man. An amazing phrase that echoes in in our hearts, isn't it? You are that woman, you are that man. And it jolts David back to reality. He's exposed and his life is derailed by, by that until he comes to God in confession. And this psalm is David's response. This is his, his coming home, his homecoming uh, psalm. And how does this model of repentance, how does this help us and our three characters this morning? Well, first of all, it helps guilt-ridden Gertrude uh, with three things David says about God. It's fascinating that the psalm begins not with uh, straight into confession. It starts with looking to who God is. And it's crucial. It's a crucial point. Uh, that we need to, to understand in, in this, this psalm. What, is, what does David say? Well, first of all, he says that God acts in unfailing love and compassion. Let's look at verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According, so that's in, in the way of your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. So the the first point to to guilt-ridden Gertrude is we look to a God who acts according to his character, not ours. And his character is unfailing in faithfulness and and love and forgiveness. So that is the approach that we're, we're making. Secondly, he looks to a God who blots out all sin. Again, very first verse He says, according to your great compassion, don't just um, forgive me a little bit and make things a little bit better, or don't just brush it under the carpet. Now, blot out means, um, we don't really use blotting paper anymore, but uh, again, I'm so old that uh, I remember um, records, but also uh, blotting paper when we used to to use ink in in exams. And uh, blotting paper 
uh, absorbs the ink from, from the paper, sort of magically uh, takes it uh, away. And that's what um, David is, is saying that God does. He doesn't just um, sort of say, well, well, we'll just cross it out with a red line and pretend that it's not there. No, blotting out means it removes it completely. And that's what Jesus does on the cross. Jesus doesn't just die as an example of, of a sacrificial death. He dies our death. As Jesus hangs on the cross, he is taking our sin onto himself. He absorbs our sin into his body. He dies and removes our sin from us completely. He deals with it. It's gone, forgotten. And, and that approach, again, is crucial as we approach God in confession. We're approaching a God who deals with sin so that we can then look him in the face, knowing when he says it is forgiven, we know it's been blotted out. It's gone. And gone for forever. And thirdly, and uh, Gertrude would have known this uh, very, very much. Thirdly, he talks about a God who judges the evil done in his sight. Verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdicts and justified when you judge. And that's the point, you see. That the point is, he begins with uh, an acknowledgement of God's compassion and then an understanding of God's f atoning forgiveness. And then he says, because I know that, I can, I can be honest with you, God, about my, my sin. Because I know that sin, you hate sin, and you judge sin, that sin is done in your sight. So that honesty of approaching God is done in the context of knowing, knowing God's holiness and his, his love. The order is important. David approaches a God that he knows, a God that he knows is faithful, a God he can trust and be honest uh, with. And David, therefore, in, in this verse 4, he's, he's saying, against you only have I sinned. He's, he's being very personal with, with God, isn't he? He sees that the rebellion of his heart, which is what sin is at its core, is rebellion against the God that he loves. It's not loving God with all his heart, strength, mind, and, and soul. It's loving himself instead. He's personal in his conversation with God, a God that he knows is, is faithful. John Newton um, uh, the famous slave trader who uh, became a, a gospel preacher. He lived just a couple of streets uh, north of here in, in Hoxton. And uh, he, he wrote that uh, amazing hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So it's got the height of grace, but also the depths of our sin. Amazing Grace, a wretch like me. And those are combined in, in the gospel of, of grace. We live in a very conditional culture where, where failure is exposed, perpetrators are vilified on social media, and, uh, and uh, sort of the big, big sins are really out there. And that causes us to, to be fearful, 
will we be exposed? Will we be found out? Will one of the statements we made on social media years ago suddenly be uh, emblazoned on, on the front of someone's post? But David is willing to admit he's a wretch. And yet, he's willing to admit that to a God who is love. So, uh, firstly, God, uh, um, David's prayer answers guilt-ridden Gertrude. Secondly, David's prayer answers self-satisfied Simon. Because David is very clear about what sin is. Simon and uh, our culture is, uh, is very much the, the language of, uh, well, every, everything's broken and uh, I live in a culture of brokenness and nothing's ever my fault or my responsibility. It's all to do with things that have been done to me. And that's, uh, that may be true in, in many res- respects, that things are done to us, but underneath that, we need to admit that we are also part of the guilty and be willing to to accept that. That's what Simon wasn't willing to accept. That's what David tried to hide from, from Nathan. But then in the psalm, he uses three words for sin. First of all, he uses the word transgressions. And transgressions is... um, it's, it's a word that means sort of willful defiance. You know, willfully, deliberately going away uh, from, from God's, God's ways. And, uh, and David says, against you, you only have I sinned. Against your goodness, I've rejected your, your ways. David is willing to see that at the root of his actions is a willful desire for self rather than for God's, God's ways. For, for example, if I, I lie, which is uh, one of the, the things that I really struggle with sometimes is, is when I'm confronted with something by, by someone, I will sort of, by, by default, I will lie or obfuscate, if I can even say the word, uh, in order to make myself look, look better. And yeah, lying is, is one of the Ten Commandments. But what's underneath that? Underneath that is a desire to protect myself, to protect my, my reputation, a desire to, to be seen as looking good, rather than a, a desire to honor the Lord that I serve. Underneath sin is that rebellious heart that doesn't trust God, but trust a lie that I'm in control in instead. The second word um, for sin in verse 2 is iniquity, which means twisting out of shape. And I think, again, it's sort of a, a, a helpful way of, of seeing what, what sin does. It's about um, moving the, the order of things. It, it causes disordered loves. It sort of twists our priorities out of shape. It twists... Uh, our, our actions and, and our motivations towards other people out of shape. And what does that do? It twists lives out of shape. Our life and the lives of people uh, around us. It causes more and more mess. And David saw that. Yeah, his, his view from his roof of, of Bathsheba led to a spiral of decay and, and, and mess. 
And th the third word for sin, which we translate just uh, with the word sin in verse 2, is uh, an archery term for missing the mark, for not going for the, the bullseye, but falling short of God's glory. And behind all of these words is this, this heart condition, this heart that rejects God's ways of living, that rejects trusting God and says instead, I will do it my way. David found on the roof of his palace, as he said, what will make you happy, David? I know, sleeping with Bathsheba, that will make you happy this afternoon. And it led to chaos and, and decay. And we live in a culture that does that all the time, doesn't it? A culture that, that celebrates what will make you happy. Go with your heart. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with going with your heart, except if your heart is not set on God's ways. Then it's disastrous, isn't it? I, um, I, I don't really... I'm sort of shy to, to quote uh, this example, but uh, I was slightly emboldened by... Um, uh, seeing the drop-off. I was doing a, a, a quip class on work and it got to nine o'clock and um, uh, quite a few people dropped off the, the call and I, um, I was wondering why that was and uh, I was told later that's because the premiere of Love Island uh, started at nine o'clock. So um, I think probably some people do watch this. Uh, but I, I, what amazes me about Love Island, if I'm allowed to say this as a sort of old man uh, and a vicar, uh, is, is in what world is it sensible to share a bed with someone that you've only just met and you're not even dating and you've certainly not said I love you and uh, yeah, the, the order seems to be completely around the wrong, wrong way. You know, God, God gave the amazingly good gift of sex for an expression of commitment in, in marriage relationship, part of Genesis creation. And yet we've, we've twisted and disordered everything, haven't we? We've made it into something that it was never designed to be, just a, a physical act, a bit of fun, rather than an expression of, of deep committed love. And that's just one example. I, I use that example partly because uh, the, the example in the psalm is of David committing ad adultery. But Jesus says there are all sorts of, of evils in our heart that uh, are rooted in a heart against, against God. Jesus uh, looks at uh, greed. He, he mentions sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. And he says all these evils come in, from inside and defile a, a person. But the good news is, Jesus says, and I've come to make all of those clean. And none of those need to defile you anymore. I've come to blot them out and, and to remove them. But it starts with confronting the fact that we are sinners, confronting the fact that we are defiled, confronting the fact that we have fallen short of God's glory in honesty uh, before God. And that answers uh, uh, religious Rihanna's uh, point as, as well. 
Because David doesn't just say a confession prayer and, and leave it at that. Now, the wonderful thing about Psalm 51 is David's prayer transforms him. You know, I think it's interesting just to think back to earlier in the service, we all said a confession. Do you remember that? I don't know if you, you do or not, but we did. Uh, it was a line. <laughs> it was a line in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins. And when you said that, did it sort of a light bulb go, go off? think, wow, that's amazing. Forgive us our sins. I, I know that God is faithful and, and will have answered that prayer. Or was it just you said it because it was on the screen and because you've said it before? That's, that's the problem, isn't it, with, with confession. It can become a mantra, you know, just something we do without actually much expectation that it will change anything. But look at uh, what, what David says. He says, forgiveness will lead to cleansing. Verse 2. He says, blot out my transgressions, and then what will that do? Wash him clean. It will wash away his iniquity. It will cleanse him from, from sin. Do we believe that? Do we celebrate that? You know, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, wearing the clothes of, of righteousness. And that's like the, the son, the prodigal son, when he comes back and confesses to his father, what does his father do? He wraps a robe around him and says, you're my son now. A robe of, of clean robes that cover his shame and his, his, his dirt and filth with the robes of being part of the family. And that's what God does. Do you feel that? The, the robes of righteousness being, being surrounding you and cleansing you. Jesus' last words in, in the Bible, his first words are, repent and believe the good news. His last words are, come to me and I will wash your robes. I will wash you clean. Come and receive that water and that cleansing. It's an invitation. Forgiveness is cleansing. Forgiveness is also creating. Very striking uh, in verse 10 he says, create in me a pure heart. And the word for create here means ex nihilo. It's the same word uh, right in the beginning of Genesis where it says God created the heavens and the earth. From nothing, God created everything. And when he says, create in me a pure heart, saying God will create from nothing a, a heart that is in relationship with, with God. And it's not from nothing in that it cost God everything. Jesus dying on the cross to make that possible. But do we receive that? Do we receive that new heart that is set on, on God, that is full of, of love for, for God? Because forgiveness is not just cleansing and creating, it's also catalyzing. It's fascinating, we haven't got time to look at it in, in detail, but do uh, keep dwelling on this psalm because uh, he, he says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me as I go out into the community. He talks about Jerusalem, Zion, and Zion being a place of, of peace again. And that's what forgiveness does. It's not just a prayer we say and tick that off. Like, yeah, I've, I've prayed my confession. Um, I can go on to something else. No, it's, it's a prayer that transforms us from within. Crushed bones restored is another picture that, that he says. And I wonder, 
are we stuck, like guilt-ridden Gertrude? Are we stuck in a pattern of sin that we've never been honest with God about? We've never come and talked to him about? Or are we like self-satisfied Simon, just thinking, oh, it doesn't really matter. God's loving. He, he wants me to follow my heart. Rather than saying, no, God is judge. Judge of all. Or are we like religious Rihanna? Just, we, we do it, but we never feel like uh, it, we've, we've moved forward. Well, let's move forward today, all of us. We can, we can do that so in a few moments. I'm going to invite us to, uh, to read uh, Psalm uh, 51 as, as a prayer. But first of all, I just want to read some, uh, another hymn uh, by John Newton. Uh, and uh, it goes like this. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast. It satisfies the hungry soul and gives the weary rest. Dear name, the rock on which we build our shield and hiding place, our never-failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. Confession leads to restoration, and restoration leads to action of worship day by day. So, quick three-point plan for, for us. Full trust in God's unfailing love with honesty as we come before him. We come before him with full trust and honesty. Secondly, full acceptance of, of our fault and our sin full of confession and thirdly full restoration and a new start full trust in who God is full acceptance of our sin full restoration in, in God let's get honest with God we're going to have time uh, in, in a few moments to, as we worship uh, to pray and the prayer team would love to pray uh, with you or, or just um, kneel um, on, on the floor or, or sit or, or as you stand confess to, to God some of those sins that are blocking your relationship but as uh, Jake is going to continue in worship but as he does let's start by reading the psalm as it's on the screen we pray together have mercy on me O God According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, 
and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God is good, God is good, God is good all the time. Amen.